But strangely, at this moment, I am actually feeling quite relaxed. Hey. Welcome to Working Title, the show where we talk about books, movies, and everything in between. Miracle Valley was a good movie. Maybe this one will be too. Keep the train going. Jeffrey Dahmer! Stop! Oh no. Ah, it's the Duke. What could you possibly want, Ramus? Wait, it's about incest? You're kidding, right? <laughs> Please tell me you're joking. Right. No! Oh god. I thought this was a joke. Turns out I'm the joke. Why? Oh, no one knows. Great. You're never gonna get it. I'm a hazard to myself. I'll break it to you. Okay, I may be jumping the gun. Maybe it isn't that bad. So what am I talking to myself for? Flowers in the Attic is a 1987 film based on the 1979 novel of the same name by V.C. Andrews. The book was the first in the... God, I've read this script like three times and I still cannot say this. Dollenganger series? Which consists of five books. Funnily enough, the final one, Garden in the Shack, Garden of Shadows, released in 1987, a year after the death of Andrews. That's not the funny part, by the way. Uh, the great thing with this movie being as old as it is, I have actual information that I can give you. This is a glorious day. Reportedly, Andrews demanded script approval and turned down five scripts before accepting the screenplay written by Jeffrey Bloom, who also directed the film. This one was chosen because it was the closest to the book. However, producers suck and made a lot of drastic changes, taking away a lot of themes from the book. I'm really dreading this, but they also cut the incestuous relationship between two oldest siblings, Chris and Kathy. I could stop now. I'm just writing a script. I could cut- I could just cut this and no one would know. No one would ever have to know, and I wouldn't have to watch this movie. But honestly, researching has made me feel like I know too much. So we're gonna suffer together. Now, you may have noticed that I labeled this Flowers in the Attic 1987. That's because in 2014, Lifetime adapted Flowers in the Attic as well. However, Lifetime also adapted three of the four remaining books in the series. I'm not sure what happened, that's not what this episode is about. If I can find a way to watch them for free, maybe I'll cover them, but Garden of Shadows, the final book in the series, never got an adaptation. Reception of the film appears to be mixed with an average IMDb score of 5.7 and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 51%. So what's it like really? Let's find out together. Spoiler warning for Flowers in the Attic. That's I'm screaming in my kitchen at a movie from the 80s that I forced myself to watch. I, I am forcing myself to do this and I have gone too far to back out now. Why do I do this to myself? That's the real question. So, despite what that clip may seem, I actually really enjoyed this movie. But not for the reason I'm sure you're thinking. I find the story of this movie fascinating. So, what is it about? We open on narration from main character Kathy as she talks about how close their family is. And we see her father, who probably has a name, but it doesn't really matter, give her a music box. 
Later, the kids and their mother, Corinne, are setting up for the father's birthday when the cops arrive to reveal that the father is dead. This led to them having to sell everything, including their house. There's something that I want to talk about here because it's something I realized very early in the film. Okay, so, like, they are really hammering home that the mom is, like, up to something because she's just kind of always in the background staring many, but menacingly. She's just, she's standing around looking evil. And the 80s were not really known for their subtlety. Um, but, like, they are really trying to hammer home that the mom is not what she seems. Like, it is really heavy-handed. You'll notice a lot in these clips that I stumble over my words, so I'll try my best to clear up what I was trying to say. Now, this actually is an effective form of foreshadowing, having Corinne stand in a doorway or in the window just kind of looking like she's up to something. But, like I said, the 80s were very all or nothing a lot of the time, and this is an example of that. By putting focus on those moments, it sets up that maybe Corinne isn't all that great. Anyway, on the train ride to Corinne's childhood home, she reveals that she did something to anger her father, and so he disinherited her. However, she plans to regain his love that sh so that she'll get the inheritance. It's not until they arrive that we learn in order for Corinne to succeed, her father cannot know that the children exist. Which reminds me of Harry Potter, you know, and I'll be in my room making no noise and pretending I don't exist. But... The reason why he can't know about them comes in this scene. Do you know why your mother has come home? Yes, to win back her father's love, so he'll make her part of his will again. And why was she stricken from that will? Did she tell you that? I have to go to the bathroom. Be silent. Learn control. And never, never speak unless I ask you a question. What did I just say? Your mother has come home after 17 years to repent for her sins and for her crimes, not only against your grandfather and me, but against God. This marriage was unholy, a sacrilege, an abomination in the eyes of the Lord from grace. She left into the arms of a man whose veins pulsed with the same blood as hers. Not a stranger, but her own uncle. And you, the children, are the devil's spawn. Evil from the moment of conception. I'm getting my mother! Okay. <laughs> Ignoring the fact that this feels like a twist that they could have revealed later. Um, but she married her uncle? That can't be legal in any regard. Her uncle? What the fuck? How old was she? How old was he? Jesus Christ. Hi. Right. 
Yeah, you thought I was joking when I said this was about incest. God, I wish. Side note, Cory is my favorite character. He's adorable. After this, we cut to Corinne in her father's room taking her dress off. Not for the reason that you're probably thinking of, don't worry, that's where I thought this was going to. No, instead, it's so her mother can whip her. I actually think this scene is a pitfall of an adaptation because we get this bombshell that she married her uncle and then it cuts to her stripping in front of her father. That scene, while they do make it clear at the end of it, it requires a little more context than we got. In a book, you can do that, but in a movie, that would most likely drag the pacing. My suggestion is to cut the scene entirely because she's going to end up showing the kids anyway so you can reveal it then. Anyway, after that, she goes to see the children for one of, like, three times in the whole movie. Trust me, we're going to talk about the other two times, because boy, did I have a lot to say about those. In order to make an example and get the kids to behave, which the grandmother's definition here is, I'll be in my room making no noise and pretending I don't exist, she has Corinne show the kids her back. We get a scene of Christopher, who I will probably alternate between calling Christopher and Chris, cleaning her back. This is actually something I didn't realize until later, but when Chris kisses her cheek, you see Corinne's face change, like she's had some realization. Before Corinne leaves, she tells the kids about an attic, which can be accessed by a door in the kids' closet. After this, we get some narration about how Corinne started visiting less and less until she stopped altogether. The kids do find the attic and fix it up. Chris actually taking some mirrors and a wooden pole and making a ballerina bar for Kathy, who wants to be a dancer. There are a lot of moments between the siblings, especially between the older and the younger ones, <laughs> that are just wholesome. If if it sounded like I stopped for a minute, it's because my cat <laughs> just made his way into my bedroom and it scared me. Blackie. Hi. I'm kind of doing something. You want to come lay up here? You, you coming up here? Come on, baby. Well, get up here. If you want to be up here, get up here. Here, I'll move the pillow out of the way. I'm not going to pick you up, so if you want to come up here, you got to come up here on your own. Come on. There we go. My big boy. Okay. Mom's got to record, okay? So, try to keep it down. <sighs> Sweetie. Uh, where was I? Uh, do, do, do. Oh, yeah. They're just wholesome. Some time passes, and with Corinne not coming to visit in a while, the kids start to think that something happened to her. This leads to Kathy and Christopher planning an escape. They would have succeeded if not for the guard dogs. This little event leads to the second visit from Corinne, who is looking a lot more cleaned up now. In case you couldn't tell, I do not like Corinne. There's a reason I haven't been calling her the mom. You haven't been to see us in so long, Mom. I'm worried about you. Is that why you try to run away? Is it? Answer me. We weren't trying to run away, Mother. We were trying to find you. Didn't it occur to you? You could have ruined my plan. Our plan. Don't you understand? I told you. My 
Twins aren't healthy, Mother. They need to be outside in the fresh air and the sun. They need to be with their friends. They need plenty of room to run around, and they need to be in school. Pack our things and eat today. Yes. Or we can wait a little longer until the reading of the will. The grandfather's dying. Doctors say he won't live out a month. If we leave now, we have nothing. Nowhere to go. If we stay, we'll have more than we could ever want. Forever. We love you, Mom. Okay. So, so far, the theme of this, and this is something that I am fairly certain carried over from the book, is the mother's pursuit for this inheritance. It's... She's putting money over her children, which obviously is a bad thing, and the movie appears to be framing it that way. But I... I'm I'm curious, but I believe that this is one of the things that was carried over from the book. I feel like now I'm going to have to read the book to see how this movie compares. Like I said, the mother's greed is causing her to not think about what's best for her children. We'll see the worst of that towards the end. This conversation leads to Chris agreeing to stay a little longer. However, Kathy doesn't really want to. Chris comes into the bathroom while she's taking a bath to talk to her about when and uh, to talk to her about ah, when the grandmother walks in on them. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. In this scenario, I kind of agree with the grandmother. You got to stop having weird conversations while your sister is in the bath. It's it's fucking weird. But like also Christopher has a point. If you don't want them doing anything, why did you put them in the same room? Why not put the guys in one room and the girls in another? Like... <sighs> you know, despite all my bitching, I actually do really like this movie. It's a very fascinating movie. And I bet you could make an interesting character study out of it. She had essentially called them sinners, and Christopher basically goes off saying, you lock us in this room, you want to catch us doing something. By the way, this was the second time he had come in to talk to Kathy while she was in the bath. The first time, he started bathing her. I actually said this during my watch of the movie, but I didn't grab the clip because I rambled a lot and didn't really get my point across. What I had attempted to say was that the producers, when they got their grubby little hands on the script, they cut out the relationship between Christopher and Kathy. I feel wrong calling it a relationship, but regardless, it was cut. They did leave in these little moments that, knowing what I do, feels wrong. Those weird bath time moments are some of those. While this argument causes the grandmother to retreat, she comes back, locking Christopher, Corey, and Carrie in the attic and throwing Kathy down and cutting her hair. After this, the grandmother stops feeding them for a week. I firmly believe that she wasn't feeding them that well anyway, because we only ever see her give them breakfast. Which, I understand, you can't show every single time she brings them a meal. But at least an establishing shot of a day, showing all the meals she gives them so that the audience understands, okay, this is the drill. However, I'm left to assume that they are only ever eating breakfast, which may or may not be killing them, but I'll get to that later. 
Actually, while I'm on the topic, Corey is getting sick. Obviously, not being fed for an extended period of time isn't helping matters. So Christopher comes up with an idea. Are we doing bloodletting? Um, for anyone who's unaware, bloodletting was if I think it was if you had a blood disease, then they would like make a little slit in your arm and just let you bleed out with the theory that eventually the disease would leave your body. Whether or not it works is I don't think has ever been proven, but it was very common in the Middle Ages. And it looks like that's what Dr. Christopher here is going to be doing to his little brother who's, like, what, six? Oh. Nope, never mind, we are not doing bloodletting. We've resorted to cannibalism. Yay. Honestly, (laughs) in a movie about incest, I did not expect cannibalism to be on the list of topics we're bringing up. Uh, But Christopher just cut his arm and is currently feeding Corey, the little boy, his blood. Oh, Oh, Jesus Christ. I really want to know if this is in the book. You know what? I'm going to read this book. If not for a review, just for my own curiosity. Yeah, this is a very strange movie. But anyway, Dr. Christopher and Kathy sneak out of the room and come across Corinne's bedroom. Which definitely belongs to a rich person, that's for sure. can't hear my cat cleaning himself because he's decided now is the perfect time to be doing that. Anyway, afterwards, Corinne comes comes to visit for the final time. Darlings! I'm so happy! Kathy, your hair! What a sensible decision. It's lovely, sweetheart. You're angry with me, but you don't know how much I've missed you. And wait till you see the presents I bought you. I wanted to tell you I was going away, but, but guess, guess what's happened? The grandfather's dead. No, he's been taken to the hospital. No, I'm not happy because he's dying. I'm happy because he loves me. Don't you see? I've done what I promised. I've pleased him so much. He's giving me a party tonight. A grand party to reintroduce me to society. And tomorrow, my father is having his attorney, Bart Winslow, wonderful man, write me back into his will. He's going to leave me everything, even this house. And what about your children, Mother? Does he know about them? We know perfectly well what he feels about them. So what's to become of us, Mom? How much longer do we continue living in this prison? Prison? come back with gifts for us, Mom. Do you think they can make up for what we've lost? Christopher, if you stop loving me, 
I haven't stopped loving you, Mom. I make myself keep loving you every day, despite what you do. Don't I, say it, I can't. Work. I'm gonna slap look the bitch. Look at mother. Do we look like you with your rosy cheeks and your bright eyes? Look at the twins, mother. Corey has stomach cramps almost every day, and Carrie has little sores growing on her skin. Do you know or even care that the grandmother stopped feeding us for over a week? Stop it! You have no right to talk to me like that! Tell me I've had pleasure while my children have been in pain. You are heartless. When you are ready to treat me with love, I'll be back. I'm sorry. When they're ready to treat you with love? I'm... Remind me, who was the one with the big fancy room that had angel wings above the bed and the closet full of nice pretty dresses? Who was the one that doesn't have to get locked in a room from only getting breakfast? Who was the one that wasn't getting starved for a week? Oh yeah, that was you, bitch! Jesus Christ. <sighs> I hate this bitch, and I want someone to slap her. I just want to reiterate, I hate this bitch. Hey! Fuck you! Fuck you! And especially fuck you! Okay. Nope, that wasn't enough. We're gonna do the full escalation for this bitch. Why my job Turns out right, there's no end in sight. I my life. Oh, I my job, all of my rich friends. I hate everyone to the period. Nothing turns out right, there's no end in sight. I my life. Just they can't catch a break. I my life. No, it's nothing. think I've ever brought out the escalation before. Nothing's ever been drastic enough. Not even Vampire Diary. Or after. Those weren't enough to bring out the escalation. M moving on, I'm going to be skipping over quite a bit, but Corey gets worse. Poor baby. This leads to Kathy basically yelling at her mother that Corey needs a hospital. This moment is interesting because, at least to me, it looks like the grandmother actually feels sympathy. She said at the beginning that you can't love something that is not wholesome, which is how she views these children. But I don't think she's so heartless as to let a child die and not feel anything. I pray to God that no one is that heartless. <sighs> this is my least favorite part. You know, there's quite a few bad parts, but not so bad I can't joke about them. I can't joke about this. Corinne takes Corey, saying that she's going to take him to a hospital. 
we cut to a scene of the groundskeeper digging a hole somewhere. I think you know where I'm going with this. Corinne comes in and tells the kids that Corey is dead. There's not going to be a funeral because he's already buried. I don't even know what to say about this. As if it wasn't bad enough that this young child died. And I'm going to talk about how he died next, but it was Corinne's fault. As if it wasn't bad enough that he died, his siblings don't even get to say goodbye. My God. Bake to your liking. Sweetie, none of this is my liking. Don't. I have nothing else to say. Shortly after Corey dies, Christopher realizes that what killed him was arsenic poisoning. And we find out that Corinne was putting arsenic powder on the cookies that the kids were getting for breakfast. This leads to the children escaping, finding out that Corinne is getting married, and she was put back in the will. However, it stated that she would be disinherited again if there was any evidence that she had children from her first marriage. So the kids crash the wedding, Kathy and Corinne get into a fight, which leads to Corinne falling and getting hung by her veil. I don't feel bad for her. She was a terrible mother and a terrible person. I have never had such vitriol for a character in my entire life. I hated Hardin Scott and Vicky from Vampire Diary. I loathe this woman. <sighs> That's the end of the movie. That took a turn that I wasn't expecting, but I'm glad it's over. Like I said, I am going to read the book, but it'll probably be a while. So I hope you enjoyed. I'm going to put the number for the National Child Abuse Helpline in the description. After watching this, I feel a moral obligation to. Uh, if you want updates on episodes, you want to suggest episodes, or you just want to chat, you can follow me on Twitter at AshleyMarieWT, or you can email me at AshleyMarieWT at Gmail. Also, check out my Tumblr, AshleyMarieWT, because I do a lot of polls there. Until next time, peace out. On to the next one, bitches! <laughs>